Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. excited to share with you what God has placed on our heart and what our leadership has entrusted us with within the Assemblies of God. So how many of you have ever heard of Buddy Barrel or BGMC? Please, every single hand should go up in the air because this church is a missions-minded church yeah. that give to missions not only the adults, not only the youth and Speed the Light, but our littlest ones put their pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters into a ye- little yellow guy called Buddy Barrel. And we know that this church loves it because last year, this church was number one in our in the state of Ohio yep. and gave $46,000 go, to make a difference around the world by feeding those in need, by providing water and Bibles and making sure the gospel of Christ went out around the world. The state of Ohio gave $2.1 million through their kids' ministry of missions, and the entire nation gave 7.2 last year. Yes. So, Ohio, you are leading the way. We thank you, Harvest Ridge, for being the top giver within our district. And so one of the things that, that we love, and so Linda and I, we are International Ministries missionaries. We are partnering with Royal Rangers International to bring BGMC to the world. So... I can't be on stage without doing some kind of object lesson because I'm a kid's pastor at heart. So I've got an object lesson. Pastor Robin's going to come help me. I've got my little magic bag here. So Pastor Robin, can you take that paper and open it and share with the congregation what you see? Uh, It's a picture of United States in the middle with red arrows going out. All right, so we have it on the big screen for you to see. So this represents the amazing heritage that we here in the United States have taken up. We are a mission-sending nation. In 1949, BGMC was created. And the very first year, it was to teach boys and girls that they can pray, give, go. That first offering was $1,000. Not only that, in 1914, when the Assemblies of God was created, it was created to be a mission-sending organization. And we have such an amazing heritage. We have 3,500 missionaries around the world. He's my numbers guy. And that is awesome. And we're teaching our littlest ones how to pray, give, and go. So I've got my little bag here. I'm going to open it up, say that. Okay, I'm going to close it. There's nothing in it. Now, I have a scripture verse here. Many of you can probably quote it with me. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, those of you in the United States of America, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an awesome verse? Is that what you learned at CBC? I've never heard of that particular version, but... No. That's that's the uh, Boys and Girls Missionary Version. Yeah. That's not what the Bible says. Go ye therefore all nations should go into all nations. So imagine what it would be like if that scripture were taken to heart. So can you go ahead and put that back in here? And we have been asked to teach BGMC, not only here in the United States, but establish that same missions program overseas. Go ahead and take that back out and see what happens if we change that verse to mean what it says. Arrows go everywhere. All right, thank you, Pastor Robin, you can have a seat. So give her a hand. So what, what could happen, what could happen if boys and girls in Colombia, 
in Cambodia, Argentina, Germany, if they learned that they could pray, give, and go. And what do we mean by those words, pray, give, and go? So from your littlest ones in the nursery, in toddler church, in preschool, our kids are learning that they can pray for our missionaries. My husband was sick and on his deathbed when we served in Germany, and the only reason he recovered, the doctors told me, get his affairs in order, get his mom over here if you can. The only reason he's standing here is because of the prayers of the faithful that have sent us, this church in particular. And so the other thing that we're involved in making sure that kids do is give. Give of their time, talent, and treasure to help share the gospel of Jesus around the world. You know, boys and girls are giving their pennies, nickels, dimes, dollars. They're, they're raiding your wallets and the glove compartments in your car, taking out all the change so that other children around the world can hear the gospel. And in this church in 2019, there were two little girls, two sisters, that each of them gave $500 themselves to make sure that children around the world heard about Jesus. And that's just two kids in one congregation. So imagine if this were to spread like wildfire all over the world. But the last thing is to go. And you think, okay, what does that mean? Yeah, we send kids to camp, we teach them in kids' church, and we teach them that they too have a call of God on their life. Some of them may become pastors or missionaries, but some of them are called to the local public school to be teachers. Some of them are called to be policemen. Some of them are called to be firemen. And whatever God's plan is for their life, that they are that light right. in the world where God has placed them. And so God wants not only kids here in America to understand that they can make a difference in the world, but he wants children around the world. And so we get the joy of creating a, a missions curriculum, a missions education ministry for the 93 nations that Royal Rangers is in. We have over 300,000 boys and girls that we're going to be uh, investing in. And so they've asked us not only to create this curriculum, but Buddy Barrel can't go overseas. The IRS has said that Buddy is a designated offering and that he can only go through the U.S. churches. So I'm responsible to create a new mascot for this ministry. And so Buddy really... Buddy cousin. Your little Buddy's cousin. And so through, through my wisdom and my research, I have come up with this idea. So back in the 40s, it started with a barrel because that's how things were shipped. We would ship Sunday school materials. We would ship curriculum. We would ship all types of things to our missionaries, but in bar wooden barrels. So today, though, everything goes out in like shipping containers, okay? So I was thinking of a crate. So here you go. Y'all ready? I'm going to reveal it to you today. Carl the Crate. It's very creative, babe. Yeah, I'm going to drop the mic. Y'all should have saw pastor's eyes. <laughs> it's a new mic. I know yeah. that much. <laughs> but what do y'all think? Carl the Crate. But the purpose of Carl the Crate, or whoever he may be, is that missions is from all nations to all nations. Yes. So look at this map. The United States is no longer in the center, even though we have an amazing legacy, an amazing heritage. But it is not for us only to share the gospel. We need kids boys and girls all over the world to pray, give, and go. Imagine if kids in Peru got a heart for missions and started praying for missionaries in Mexico. Yep. Imagine if kids in Cambodia got a call to be a missionary to Japan, or somebody in, in Russia would come to the United States to be a missionary. We need missionaries too, you know? So 
this is about pray, give, and go from all nations to, to all nations. nations. And so that's the reason why I sort of carry around my, my bag. These are uh, buddy barrel buttons, countries that we are teaching boys and girls to pray for the missionaries that are there. And so I just... And the nationals. I like showing it off. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, babe. And so I want to talk about the other thing that we're going to be involved, which is pretty awesome. Um, it is called the Faith at Home Initiative. Royal Rangers International has been focused on reaching boys and girls around the world uh, through the Royal Ranger ministry. So they're going into these churches and they're, and they're being taught God's word because it is the fastest growing discipleship ministry in the world for children. And we are blessed here at Harvest Ridge to have a boys, boys ministry called Royal Rangers and girls ministry. We're blessed to have an amazing children's pastor and Pastor Caleb, awesome youth pastors. We have... We are very blessed here. But your kids, if you're very faithful to church and you come whenever the doors are open, your kids would be here Sunday, night, Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, maybe an activity during the week or VBS. They might be here for an average of three hours a week and three, learning God's word. And three hours isn't enough to really make sure that your kids live a lifelong relationship with Jesus. That's right. And so the most important people that can educate and instruct your children are you. That's right. The most formative years, the most vital years in your kid's life is from the age of zero to five years old. That's right. Before they go to school, before they begin to get underneath the influence of ungodly, unrighteous, heathenistic people that are trying to teach your boys and girls that a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. You can be a they, a them, or whatever. You as mom and dad need to teach your kids God's righteousness through his word. And that's what the Faith at Home Initiative is all about. So we are going, we've been asked to go in and empower parents with this Faith at Home Initiative, this parent education discipleship program, to help parents be the parent that God has called them to be. And in the Bible, we see some examples, amazing parents, but you don't know their names. Pastor did a sermon series not too long ago on Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Daniel. Daniel, I don't remember him. We know those names. Do we know their parents' names? Bob. No. <laughs> I don't think it was <laughs> But those are the parents, those are the heroes of the faith because they taught their boys at a young age what God's word was and how to stand on the promises of God. Because those boys were taken, understand me, they were taken from their homes at a young age. They were made to serve in a vile and ungodly kingdom underneath a, a hard king, a, a mean, vile king. But those boys for over 60 years stayed faithful to God because of what their mom and dad taught them. And so that's what we want to do with the Faith at Home Initiative. We want to make sure that mom and dad are inputting into their kids' lives so that their children will never turn their back on Christ. And COVID brought a lot of challenges, not only here to our local church, but to our international churches and to our um, indigenous churches overseas. We had countries close to the mission field that said, missionaries, you need to leave. If you are a United States citizen, you need to get out. We had churches close, right? Our own church closed for a few weeks. Churches in Austria, where my family's from, are still closed. Their doors are still closed. So who has taken up that mantle for teaching the co-children? It has to happen in the home. So as parents, one of the things I've, I've got an illusion that I want to share with you, I've got a little, a little stick here. And a lot of times, this is how we see our kids. We see our kids as 
that which needs to be protected and taken care of. Um, you know, our kids, when they're little, they're so much more joyful. Um, they're not talking back to us. They're not throwing stuff at us. Um, I mean, they're puking and pooping and stuff, but, um, but they're young. They're adorable. They're cute. We love it when people come up and just say, oh, you're a cute little baby. And then it's like, yeah, you come home with it. You'll see. Um, <laughs> but we love our kids and we're, we're going through something in our home. Today is the first day in 24 years that my three boys aren't with us in church to celebrate Father's Day. They grew up. That's hard. <laughs> You know, and I, I look at my kids and I miss them when they were little. But they can't stay that way. And see, God, when God gave us our kids, he knew that our kids were going to grow. But God also knew that we needed to instill into our kids' lives his word. Because if our kids stayed small like this all the time, what could happen? They could break. But when we put our kids in God's hands and trust God and we say, God, we pray for our kids, we dedicate them to you. Lord, we want you to do something amazing in our kids' lives. Lord, entrusting them into you, into your plan for their life. Our kids will grow. And when the storms of life come, when the difficulties come, our kids will be strong to be able to withstand the storms in this life. And that's something we as parents are going through right now. On our way to church this morning, we were listening to worship music, and the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, came on. And that is a song that my oldest loved to sing when he was a toddler. He, that was his favorite. That was Caleb. That was Caleb. Our middle. That was when one of our children loved that song. <laughs> loved it. <laughs> but you know what? As a little one in the backseat of a car listening to worship music, and an amazing father that instilled God's word in him over the years. He is now 24 years old. He's preaching at another church right now in Holland, um, Ohio today. That's Alex, our oldest. That's Alex, our oldest, who God has placed a call on his life. <laughs> and he's now itinerating to be a missionary to Cambodia. So you instill in your kids godly values, and God will honor that. So our middle son, Caleb, who really loved this song when he was little, you know, so we're sitting in the car coming to church, and we're just bawling, you know, because that was our little boy, and that was his desire. And we want to see that happen around the world. So you being a church that supports us and prays for us, you are going to be a part of a, a, a movement that will see children's lives change, and moms and dads strengthened, encouraged, and equipped to make a difference. So thank you so much for listening to what God has called us to do. We hope to be able to connect with you after service. We do have a table out back with our prayer card, uh, information sheet on exactly what we'll be doing, and we hope to see you there. And so thank you very much for letting us come home. So, so earlier, Linda goes, you know, I guess it's the first time in a really long time we've done this together. And... Um, so, yeah, she even forgot which kid was which. And so, uh, how many of y'all have experienced that when you're getting onto a kid and you, you already have multiple children and you call the kid you want by the wrong name? Yeah, so as long as you say all the names, you're going to get it right at some point in time, right? At some point, yeah. yeah. So what I want to do is real quick, I need to say two things and then I'm going to get you guys out of here by, by three. Uh, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot 
for 12, 12. All right. And so that gives me 22 minutes. But first of all, I have to say this. Did y'all, did y'all see all that toilet paper in that video? Think about this. One year ago. The amount of that toilet paper could have sustained a third world country for four months. You think about that? And how many of you have noticed that the quality of toilet paper lately is horrible? It's like church toilet paper. It is so thin and, oh man. All right, so that one's off. All right, so. Pastor's not up here in the pulpit today, and you know that pastor has to give jokes. So, with it being Father's Day, I'm going to do some dad jokes this morning for you. All right? Just to make it feel like you have pastor up here. Okay? Can one bird make a pun? No, but two can. All right. What musical instrument is found in the bathroom? Hey, and don't, dudes, I know what you're thinking. You just want to know. All right. A tube of toothpaste. A tube of toothpaste. I don't understand why you just never got, just don't do them anymore. Um, what was Forrest Gump's email password? One, Forrest, one. Um, how did trees access the internet? They log in. Uh. Yeah. I can cut down a tree only using my vision. I saw it with my own eyes. In honor of the man who led me for 14 years. And so, but today I just want to really quickly, I want to talk to you about a man that um, only five boys in the world can call dad. And that is my father, Oscar Etheridge. Um, My dad was born and raised in South Carolina. Uh, He had four sisters and five brothers. He was born to a farmer uh, and his wife that uh, they're in rural uh, South Carolina, not far from Charleston. Life on the farm was, was really difficult. And so, I mean, if y'all can tell, man, that, that's 70s quality right there. All right? And so, you know, not only dad, but boy, you should, sit, you should have saw us in our pollies. Whoo, son. So, but life on the farm in the 50s and 60s was really hard, Okay. Um, they, they were people that knew that life was going to be hard. It was going to be dirty. And even at times, uh, that it would be wild. Um, my, my dad's parents, uh, were, were some rough individuals. Um, so the one time about my dad, the, the life that he grew up in, my, my grandfather, um, got word that a man in town, actually, let me step back. I got an email about three, four years ago from a lady. I was doing some ancestry search online. And so this lady emails me. She goes, hey, was your father, so, uh, your grandfather so-and-so uh, from this part of South Carolina? Uh, you know, it was, it's like, and I responded, yeah, that was, that was my grandpa. 
She responds back, he was a low-down, dirty, rotten, murdering son of a gun. He killed my grandpa. And I was like, what? My grandpa? I don't think so. And so I did some research. Guess what? Sure enough, my grandpa killed a man. Didn't know it. And so, why you had to deal with what you've had to deal with all these years. And so, so in doing this research, I found out that her grandpa was hitting on my grandma while my grandpa was out of town. So grandpa comes back in town, hears about it, goes into town on the dull, dirty road, hollers out in the street, Mr. So-and-so, who, by the way, was his cousin. So he comes out of the bar, and, and my grandfather shot him with a shotgun, killed him dead in the street. And so looking at it, and it's like, my grandpa didn't serve time. He was arrested. But see, back in those days, you had the right to defend the honor of your woman. And Southern justice is just that. I mean, they, it was a little wild back then, man. And so, so this is what kind of life my dad grew up in, very hard, uh, very wild. And so they were a family that definitely didn't go to church <laughs> doing that kind of stuff because Ten Commandments, what's that? We can kill anybody we want. <laughs> so, and so that meant that they needed to work the farm, and the farm meant seven days a week. And so my dad was taught to work hard. He was taught that he needed to be strong, and he was taught that he needed to stand his ground. And that even came to chores around the house because they knew that if you didn't do these things and you didn't do what was told of you and asked, yeah, there was no asking, it was told, there would be consequences. And so my dad, he would make sure that he would get out and do his chores. And so one day he's out there and he's cutting down, cutting firewood and his little brother comes up and ornery little guy. And as my dad's chopping wood, he kept kicking the logs over. And my dad kept saying, you need to stop. And so he wouldn't stop. And so my dad threatened him. You do it again, I'm going to chop your foot off. And, and my uncle says, no, you won't because you know what will happen to you by mama and daddy. And my dad's like, just try me. And so dad's cutting some more and my uncle, wow. Dad said, one more time. So cut a couple more and there goes my uncle. And as my uncle's going, guess what my dad did? Cut off his toe. Chopped it clean off. So there were consequences for my dad. Um, and there was a consequence for my uncle. And so a couple of months later, dad's back out cutting again. Here comes ornery little brother, thinking he's going to get away with something. So he comes up, dad's shotting wood, and my uncle kicked it over. And dad says, you remember what happened last time? And my uncle looked at him and says, do you remember what happened last time? And dad goes, it don't matter. I got to get this done. So my uncle proceeded to do it again. And guess what my dad did? Chopped his toe off again. So, so my uncle's running around with only nine toes. <laughs> so, but we all can sometimes get a little too serious and take our work too far. And so, but that was the way life was on the, on the farm. You had to get it done and not let anything interfere with it. So my dad growing up knew, knowing how to live life one way, and that was hard. 
In the 60s, my dad went into, uh, enlisted into the United States Army. Uh, he served during uh, the Vietnam conflict. And um, he trained as a military police. And as military police, you had to be a very hard and stern guy back in those days because of everything that was going on. Well, in the mid-60s, Dad um, got an honorable discharge. He met and married my mom. Um, and for years afterward, they would move from place to place because of work. And then in 1969, they bought a house in a little town of Arbondale, Florida. Um, the only thing we had there was uh, lakes, orange trees, and cows to push over. So that, that was what we had. And so, so they, they married, and uh, Dad became a mechanic, and Mom stayed home raising me and my, boy, me and my brothers. And um, one day, my mom was invited uh, to—actually, it was me and my brothers that were invited to go to a church— uh, on the bus ministry. It was the church would set these buses out to send people and bring them into to church to experience Jesus. And so my mom asked if she could go with us. So mom went to, to, to the kids' crusade with us, and that first night she gave her heart to Jesus. And when she, we came home, dad, she told my dad, and my dad, he didn't care whatsoever about it. And so didn't want anything to do with church. And so he, would, he didn't go. But over time, things begin. To, my mom would begin to change. Uh, God began to work in her heart, and my dad took notice of it. You see, because my mom uh, and dad used to have some great fights. Great fights. And, and one such fight, um, mom and dad were, were sitting at a table, and I don't remember what they were fighting about. But my mom uh, decided, because she wanted my dad to understand the seriousness of the situation that they were arguing about. And mom, if you're watching, uh, I love you, and you can spank me when I come down in August. Um, she, she proceeded, again, emphasizing how important her side of this argument was. She flipped him off. It was a full bird salute. My dad, who wanted her to understand the full weight of his side of it, stuck her hand with a fork. Just stuck a fork right in her hand. And it damaged her nerves, so she goes around like this all the time. I'm, I'm joking. It didn't. So, so. Wouldn't that be horrible? Hey, come here. So, or, hey. So, y'all can, can, can blur that out later. So, but, but they had some pretty good knockdown, drag out fights. And, but God began to see a change in my I mean, my dad's began to see a change in my mom's life. And so one day she invited him to church and he went. And that night my dad came face to face and met Jesus. And his life was changed. I remember then growing up and sitting in church with my parents on Sunday evenings. Uh, and even had the pleasure, Pastor, you remember this and some of you older folks remember that on Sunday night, kids came together with the adults in church. And where do we kids usually go? Under the pew. You know, and we were always threatened. If I hear one noise out from under that pew, you are going to get it. And so, but I remember mom and dad being there at church. And I remember seeing my dad. It is one of the most vivid things I have of my dad was the night that he was baptized in water. This strong, hard man, difficult man, stood up and told the whole world in the congregation that he was a follower of Christ. I believe it was the only time I saw my dad cry. 
And there was a change. But just because he gave his heart to Christ and just because he was water baptized didn't mean that he was instantaneously completely changed. It didn't mean that his actions, his behaviors, his words um, completely changed. Because my dad, he said words that if I said them or you said them, your mouth would get washed out with soap. I mean, you remember the old saying, it's like, you know, you, that person talks so bad that it'll make a sailor bullish. That was my daddy. Um, and so, but dad made church a part of our life, even though he knew he wasn't perfect. Got involved in bus ministry, became a, manic, uh, a mechanic at, there on the buses. He was a driver for the ministry. My dad even became a Royal Ranger commander. And a Royal Ranger commander is a man who becomes a vital part in mentoring boys to become lifelong followers of Jesus. And guys, that's what we need. We need you to step up and invest in this next generation. You've got skills and abilities that a lot of the younger ones don't have. And you can make a difference. I watched my dad over the years grow and even struggle in his relationship with Jesus. I observed my dad uh, being a dedicated and hard worker so I'm being faithful to church. I even was observed mom and dad forgiving each other after some of those very hard uh, fights that they had. I observed it. I, I, I was there in the car when my dad um, would ask God to forgive him of things he did or said. Wow. He lived a life in front of us that, that we needed to see. My dad, in the summer of 1984, his journey on the planet came to an end. His time to be an, uh, an ever-present influence on my life, physical influence, to me and to others at church, to students at the college he worked, was cut short. But see, to this day, my dad's influence continues. I receive emails and messages on Facebook about how my dad made an impact in other people's lives. You see, Dad, your legacy is going to continue. And mine did. My dad's did. So what I want to do today is I just want to share some things that I learned from my dad. Some things that can help us as dads whether you're a dad now, a dad wannabe, uh, a dad to be. But these are things that, that we can all have in our life. And, and the first thing that, that I learned from my dad was that all can be saved. The hardest, most vile, most wicked of person can come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, some of you guys... And one of the joys of having bright lights is I don't have to look at all your ugly faces, men. And so you women are gorgeous. I mean, y'all are glowing. I can, I can see your beauty from up here. But there's a dark spot next to you. Um, so, but guys, God can make a difference in your life. God can still make a difference in your dad's life. God can still make a difference in your grandpa's life. And see, and what we have to do is what my dad come to understand is that it's by grace are you saved, through faith. It's not of ourselves. 
Hard work, determination isn't going to get you to heaven. You have to come to that point of, of acknowledging that I need God's forgiveness right. and God's salvation. And fellas, it's here for you. You might be sitting here today and thinking, I only came today because my wife asked me to and I'm honoring her. But before she ever asked, God knew you were going to be here. So I want to encourage you. It's a simple thing. Ask God to forgive you, to come into your life. And then he is going to be doing this next thing, which is what the second thing I learned from my dad, is that perfection is not instantaneous. Perfection is not instantaneous. Just because you've asked Jesus into your life, it doesn't mean you're done. Because there are things in your life that God needs to work out with you. He needs to work through with your help to talk through things, to handle things, to face difficulties that you've had in your life. And God wants to do this in you. My dad was not perfect. Nowhere near perfect. Um, but he did raise a pretty awesome, perfect son. <laughs> and so, but it says this, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you, who began a change in you, he will carry it out to completion. That's right. You see, just like a, calip- a caterpillar, it doesn't turn into a butterfly overnight. My favorite food item is a crispy pickle. How many of y'all like pickles? You know what I'm saying? You're not going to get a pickle in one night. It takes time for the science to happen. (laughs) For that process. And it's the same with us. When we yield ourselves to God, he begins to work and perfect in us. You know, um, yeah, again, my dad wasn't perfect. And if my three boys that aren't here, um, just making a point there that they're not here. They're not here for their father. Um, <laughs> got your attention. Plan for that to happen. Um, they would tell you why I ain't perfect. Uh, guy I worked for for 14 years, he would tell you a different story. No, he would tell you I'm definitely not perfect. Because we have many a conversations. But God wants to work in you to make you more like him. The third thing I learned from my dad is that my dad provided. That dads are to provide for their family. In Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And see, dads, you are a shepherd figure to your wife and children. Take care of them. Just like a shepherd took care of the well-being of his sheep, he made sure that they... Were, had shelter and food. Uh, they, he made sure that their well-being was, was taken care of. Um, that's what we need to do for our family, okay? Work, provide. You know, the other thing that the shepherd did was the shepherd took time with his sheep. Take time with your family. Right. Your kids, not only do they need food, water, shelter, clothing, Toilet paper uh, and those kind. Of, they need your time. That's right. They need your interaction. Provide that to them. Don't let them find connections somewhere else. That's let them find it from you. 
that encouragement that is needed. Number four, the fourth thing that I learned from my dad was that the dads are teachers. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that they should go. We as parents need to be the ones that instill God's values and God's word into them. We've been talking about the Faith at Home Initiative. This is where the Faith at Home Initiative is birthed. It's birthed in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 7. Always remember these commands I give you today. Teach them to your children and talk to them when you sit at home, when you're out for a walk, when you go to bed at night, and when you get up in the morning. You need to be the number one person that's telling your children what morals they should hold on to. Godly values. Please, please don't allow TV and, and, and sports stars who are some of the, anyway, um, yes. They should not be your kids' heroes. You need to be your child's hero. Your kids should want to grow up to be like you. Not that football player or that basketball player. Not that NASCAR driver, that lacrosse player, if y'all know what lacrosse is. So, I just like to say the word lacrosse. So, but you need to be the one that's investing in your children. Because I'm telling you, there is a world out there that wants your kids. Wants to destroy them. Wants to mess them up. So instill in your kids the truth of God's Word. Read the Bible to your kids. Talk to them when you're in the car. Talk to, take them on adventures and just talk about how awesome God is in His creation. Be the one that shows right from wrong. The fifth thing that I want to finish on today. Oh, man, there's 12-12. All right, give me two minutes. 12-14. Um, fifth thing is that dads pray for your kids. That's what my dad taught me was that he prayed for us. Uh, at nighttime, I remember we would be in bed and my room was down at the far end and there was, our lights were off, we're in bed because we, we had to be in bed before they came in to, to pray over us. And so my dad's a pretty good sized guy and all that's on is the light in the hallway. So when he comes walking in the room, all you see is this shadow coming in. That could terrify you. You know, that could bring anybody to Jesus. And so... <laughs> Dad, dad would come in and he would tuck us in. He'd tell us he loved us. He would kiss us on the forehead and then he would pray over us. That God would watch over and keep us. That God would uh, meet the needs in our lives. He made sure that, that we knew that he loved us and that he was praying for us. In Genesis 17, 18, we even see that from Abraham. Abraham cried out to God. He, he prayed to God saying, oh God, that Ishmael might live before you. Abraham wanted what was best for his son. And that's what dads we want to do when we pray for our kids. Second Samuel twelve sixteen, David prayed to God for the child and he fasted. David's son here was, was, was sick and dying and David sought God to bring healing. And the dad even took time to fast. So dad, sometimes it takes more than praying for your hard-headed kid. Third one, Job chapter one, verse five. So in the morning... Job would send for his children and bless them. 
He rose early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them. Job did all this at all times. Job took it to another level. Not only did he pray, not only did he bless, but Job put his money where his mouth was. He put God first. He put God above everything else. It wasn't his wealth. It wasn't this. He goes, God, I'm giving to you what, what is yours. Now meet the needs of my children. Dads, we need to do the same for our kids. You need to pray for them. You need to lay your hands on them and bless them. That God would watch over them and keep them. You see, my dad's spiritual transformation came to an end on July 12, 1984. When he entered into heaven and stood before the Lord. The journey that he took and walked while on this earth made an eternal difference in my life, in my brother's lives. So when I ask you dads this, will your walk, your example, lead your children to follow and serve the Lord? Just think about that for a moment. Will your walk, your example, lead your children to follow and serve the Lord? Or will your walk and your example push your children away from the Lord? Which dad do you want to be? You that aren't fathers and are going to be one day. What dad do you want to be? I struggle even to this day, that I screwed my kids up. Because this perfect guy that you think is standing before you, just settle down, because y'all know I am. Um, I'm not. I scared my kids. I frightened my kids. I have spiritually had my mouth washed out with soap. But I look at my kids, and I know, first and foremost, that they have heard God's Word. Yep. They have seen God's Word be effective. They have seen me humble myself and apologize to them, to my wife, to my spiritual leaders, when need be. Wasn't always, because sometimes I was right. Um, <laughs> Maybe once. <laughs> so here's what I want to do today. I want to ask all the dads to stand this morning because I want to pray for you. If you're a dad about to be, I want you to stand this morning as well. If you are a man who doesn't have children, but you've got nieces and nephews, I want you to stand today. I want you to stand today, men, if you serve in any kind of children's ministry and you don't have kids because you're influencing people and you don't even know it. And then the last that I want to ask to stand are you moms that are single and are having to fulfill the responsibility of mom and dad. I want to pray for you as well because y'all are much stronger than you imagine. That's right. My mom had to raise three boys going through puberty. She, she done well. But today I want to pray that God would bless you. 
strengthen you, enable you to let these five things take root in your life to be the man that you need to be, the leader of your home that you need to be for your children. Father, this morning, I lift up the dads, the dads-to-be, the dads that want to be, the men who are living a life and example to children below them, and to the moms that are having to play, live the life of mom and dad. God, I ask that you would equip them with supernatural ability of wisdom and knowledge that you would pour into their hearts, oh God, such compassion for their kids, that there won't be a day that goes by that they won't seek your face for their children. Father, today I want to bless these parents with justice for their kids. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them with the resources to make sure that their kids' needs are taken care of. And Lord, let them always remember, above all things, that you who started a good work in them, that you will complete it. So bless our fathers. Bless our moms that are serving as fathers as well. Let your grace be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.